welcome to Series 2 of the Stressed But Well-Dressed podcast. In this season of our podcast, we are asking why. We will discuss why stress exists, why we subject ourselves to swimwear in public, and why we need to be more inclusive when we think about style. We will continue to tell stories through style and host guests from a variety of industries, hearing their stories and listening to why what they wear has shaped or shifted their self-perception over time. We will always start with some comedy and think about the highs and lows that have helped us along the catwalk of our career and we'll finish with some great advice for you to take away. Why stressed but well-dressed? Well, we all have our own unique way of showing up and the way we present ourselves is part of our personal armour. Never underestimate the power that armour can have in helping you be you and know that your version of well-dressed is your confidence builder to help alleviate the stress. We wake up every day and we get dressed. Being clothed is a necessity. However, the way we choose to clothe ourselves is part of our self-expression and our self-identity. Wearing clothes that align to our personal values, our interests or our aspirations can enhance our sense of self and our authenticity. And aligning our clothing with our identity has been proven to increase our confidence. Research has shown that connecting a symbolism and meaning to the items in our wardrobe can make us feel a connection between those items and the identity or the image that we wish to project to the outside world. What we choose to wear influences our mood and our performance. This is called enclosed cognition and was researched by Dr Adam Galinsky and his colleagues at Northwestern University. The research looks not only at the symbolic meaning of clothing, but how people use clothing to self-reflect and to uplift their mood to increase their positivity. Creating our own way of feeling well-dressed, we are directly aiming to alleviate our stress, whether we realise it or not. It's season two, Stressed But Well-Dressed, and for me, it's the first one where I'm talking to someone that I directly worked with and also have some shared experiences with because of that, including lots of memories of great outfits. So today I'm joined by Gillian Garrity. Hi Gillian. Hi Dahlia. Thank you for having me. We work together to run the commercial business for George.com for Asda. You looked after the clothing side of the business and I looked after general merchandise. While you Gillian were dialing up the fashion credentials for George Clothing, I was selling everything from garden furniture to duvets to dolls' houses. I moved roles uh, within Asda and you took on the role of e-commerce director, so looking after George.com as an entire operation. I've asked you to come on the podcast as my memory of working with you, and this is true today, is that I was stressed and you, and you, as you look today, were well-dressed as always. <laughs> so <laughs> very true. When we worked together, I was doing one of my first leadership roles and you just kind of exuded a confidence in your style that I really craved, which was a combination of grit and grace really admirable in terms of when we're working together a role model that I had to look up and I wanted to tap into some of that and understand how you see yourself and how you use well-dressed as part of your mindset and how it's helped with your career I've kind of given a roundabout introduction to you and said I think you're incredibly confident in terms of how you present yourself after showering you of that flattery 
I'm now going to ask you to share your most embarrassing fashion moment. So I was having to think about this one because you did prepare that this would come up. And I came, it came back to, I remember being an, a senior allocator way back when, when I worked at Adam's Children's Wear. And I was going for an interview to be an assistant merchandiser. Now this was, I was about 22 thinking, you know, like you say, fashion was everything. So I'd spent ages planning my outfit. I'd planned what I was going to do at the interview. I felt really, really prepped. Um, and I just remember sitting in the interview, there was no table. So there was interviewee, uh, me, and then the interviewers sitting on the other side of the table. And one of them just kept looking at my feet. And I was thinking, what is she looking at? And I'm thinking, I felt like, you know, I felt really nice. I thought I'd really put a lot of hair. And I kind of looked down and I was wearing odd shoes. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I think I ended up rushing and there were black boots. And I ended up having two different black ones with paint and, and one was like a crocodile, like kind of texture I think <laughs> there was two things that kind of this it was one I was trying to be well dressed but I was really stressed <laughs> and then two I probably realized I had way too many black boots with the same heel and the same kind of shape <laughs> but sitting through and then I just that day I completely lost all composure in my interview because all I kept thinking about was my my shoes and, and I looked at the job I did I did <laughs> I just remember sitting there going oh my god how did I put so much preparation into this and still come to an interview with two odd shoes on <laughs> and did they mention it so I had a bit of a laugh afterwards with kind of because it was an internal interview so it wasn't an external one but so we could have a bit of a laugh about it afterwards but <laughs> I just remember sitting there going you know it didn't matter how prepared I was I still ended up making a huge blunder and putting two odd boots on going to work <laughs> I hadn't even noticed still got the job and you know I made it through but it was yeah it was one of those moments where and I still to this day remember you know remember it really clearly and still check my shoes especially when I'm putting black boots on <laughs> so obviously I've, I've introduced you and I've talked a bit about your time on george.com but do you want to share a bit more about what you do and your experience I think my my background probably a bit like you Dahlia I spent many a year I kind of a lot of my career at Asda and at George but I started way back at the, the sweater shop if people can remember show my age back then into allocating so I was in allocating merchandising so commercial trading for many years and about I think it was like 12 13 years ago I moved over into the e-com world so I worked with you on george.com became e-com director and then um, my latest role was at Curry's their e-com and omni-channel director looking after everything from the omni-channel transformation to their three websites across and I'm currently I'm just doing started to get into a little bit of consultancy I've had to take some time off be a, a, a mum for a while so I'm actually being a mum and taking a leaf out of your book and doing a little bit of consultancy now. And that move from traditional merchandiser to going into online is very much a, a big change from one of those traditional roles into something new. So was that quite a big leap at that time? It was huge and everybody thought I was absolutely crazy because at the time George online business for clothing was so small it was 2% of business. I remember being a merchandiser used to make up numbers and putting them in my trading pack nobody knew what it did nobody <laughs> talked about it and there was a new e-com director came in and they you know there was a big talk about how it was going to be the future i remember watching a walmart video at the time because obviously walmart owned Alistair and george talking around what they wanted to do with the future of technology where their app was going to go how it was going to be that you would be able to from your kitchen order all your food your clothing your if you wanted to order a birthday cake and do a whole party you could do it all from your app you know in your you're standing in your home and that 12 years ago that 
still felt, you know, you sort of say, oh, it was only 12 years ago. That was still a huge leap. And just being really excited about it and thinking, I felt like I was in this place where, you know, you're in this kind of wheel of not doing the same thing as a merchandiser. It was, you know, your production planning, you know, your trading, and it was just felt the same. And this just felt really exciting. And I was going to go and set up head of online trading, which didn't exist clothing so it was an exciting opportunity but everybody thought I was bonkers. I think you're right it was only 12 years ago but I remember it as well it was so new to buy stuff online and have those more impulsive online purchases and I think we witnessed together transition from everyone using a desktop to buy things to a tablet and then transition onto mobile as well so it was a real wave of change and, and with that I know that you really reflected on what was being sold and thought about the clothing element of the online market and how to bring more fashion to more people through it how did you go about identifying the right styles and creating that new demand I think there was a lot around just an educational piece for working with the buyers and merchandisers that I'd worked with for years you know once you kind of went over and you started looking at the data quickly could see that we were selling totally different products from an online perspective you know in terms of what the customer was buying but then how much they were spending how long they would browse working in a supermarket in store is very much around a bit of pickup purchase you know I'm doing my weekly shop I'm just going to go and buy this six pound top whereas actually when you were shopping online there was much more a considered purchase actually I'm going to go and look I want a new dress I want some boots so you could start to then work with the buying team around well actually I need more higher end products i need you know actually i can stretch the asp online if they're going to buy more they're putting more you know one top in store i can actually buy and get to buy three or four items online i can outfit build so you're starting to get them to think about a different mentality and a different customer and actually our primary customer online wasn't even the same primary customer it was in as it wasn't an as the customer so then you start to get into think around that whole you know availability was much more important as well check out returns process all of those things was so different so it was an educational piece but it was around we spent a lot of time having to share a lot of data I think my role was very much around influencing to start with it wasn't easy I was going to ask you, you your role internally was about influencing stakeholders and, and sometimes internal stakeholders are the hardest to influence and the hardest to get on side because people are clear on what their opinion is did your style and kind of how you showed up change or did you use it in any way to build your confidence alongside obviously the data and, and the insight that you were using i think so i think you know i had a very small team to start with but we were the experts nobody knew how to challenge and i think it's still today i think e-commerce and what you want to say whether that's the trading element or people still think it's a dark art bit around or don't understand it but actually it's just the same it's just customer behavior you know how, how are they shopping what are they buying you know making sure but i think for me it was around well we had information that nobody else had so we were using that to our advantage. You know, I had to grow, you know, I had to have very broad shoulders because I just kept getting doors slammed in my face every time you go into <laughs> trading meetings. Like, you know, oh, you were last on the agenda for everything. So it's how how did we end up going from last on the agenda to being first? And that ended up being you had to influence upwards. So rather than just sort of going in and talking to the buyers and merchandisers, actually what we had to do was kind of get the board, external directors, they were the ones that we had to get them to start talking about it. So when they were going into meetings, they then had to channel. So that was where we started to influence, was start at the top so you could then work down. And I remember doing similar. So we were sat in different offices. You were in the Leicester clothing office and I was in the 
Leeds general merchandise office doing the same thing, really trying to influence up and use data. And my recollection of that is you had to assume a level of seniority that you didn't necessarily have on paper to be able to do that influencing. And alongside obviously having the right data and insight, it was that confidence to be able to influence up and try in your head to think about how this person's appear and think about what they'd need to hear to give yourself that internal confidence to be able to talk with all the knowledge, the, the clarity to to command the response that you wanted and the engagement. And, and that isn't always easy. No, it's not. And that's it's very true. And I think even even now, even when you're at director level, you know, you still having to do that when you're sitting around, you know, your board or, you know, your expo, you're still doing the same thing. I think it doesn't matter what level you're all trying to influence. up. And I think being well versed in what you what you do, you know, understanding your subject matter really well. So it didn't matter what level I sort of come to in my career I always wanted to understand the data understand why my team were making decisions you know it wasn't about checking their work it was just about me being able to support them and be able to support you know the decisions that we were making and I think that's how you influence. I agree I think it is supporting your team and and, and knowing your business as well and, and knowing other people's business too and, and how you can tailor what you're saying so it's of interest and, and value to other people I think that's where I've had positive experience of doing that so we've talked about the fact that you love fashion and you had always worked in in fashion retail so you knew that George business inside out what happened when you moved to Curry's how did that feel moving to a tech business well I think I'd, I'd started to come away from it because you know like you say you you were in the world of large garden furniture and toys and you know DJs so I had to go into that world first you know so for a few years I was sort of had that team as well so I was starting to understand two-man deliveries and you know DSV and you know kind of very different product margins and you know so it was very very different and I think that probably helped me then move to Curry's. Now going into that business personally I love fashion but what I love about my job is just sort of selling stuff to customers you know and giving customers a really great experience so the product category change didn't impact me as much because it, you're still kind of going well whether it's dresses or lingeries or iPads and kettles you're still having to do a really great customer experience and that's what I love about my job is make it rather than probably the the product category itself you know it's the the what the why the how you know and, and how you do that so I learned lots it's amazing how passionate the buyers of MDA so you know large products to actually you know women's dresses they've still got as much passion so you end up having that about it and you get really excited about selling those products. And I love the part of the role as well. I love the round. Yeah, I'm a bit of a geek. I love the numbers. I love sort of seeing how it all comes together. And you still get that, you know, and I think going to Curry's, there was a huge transformational project that we were going to do as well. Um, and that's what we're going, you know, we completely replatformed the three of our websites at Curry's when I went across. And that was something new for me as well. So we're going in to do this huge transformation product as well as try and trade through peak seasons. So it was very exciting and very new. And I had a great team. I had a great team at George. I had a great team at Curry's. Um, and I think that's what you need is great people around you. My job is to uh, always been to kind of lead and support them and the vision and the strategy. But, you know, 
I can't do what the merchandisers do or the product team do or the UX guys, you know. So I think surrounding yourself with great people will really help. I, I think it's all about the people that you work with because ultimately everything gets delivered through people. So the, the more that you can have great people around you who challenge your thinking, who encourage you to to take risks, to do new things, but also have that support and challenge between you is vital. When you move to Curry's, so you've been at Asda a while and then you step into a big role at Curry's as director. Did did your style change? Yes. I think I nearly had this mindset, whereas I was at George for a very long time and I went from an assistant merchandiser to a senior director, you know, at George. So there was, but there was people around me that had always had seen me through that progression. And it was always difficult to sort of go from you are now a senior director and still kind of get in that clout that you needed around whereas I have very much had it my I'm going to the Curries I'm a director at Curries I haven't been anything else so I use that as my confidence you know I think I've you've you know you kind of said it at the beginning you know I've always come across as very confident actually a bit more like a swan kind of steady as up but you know legs underneath are going and you know I think my husband might say actually I'm more of a stresser than I'm more confident because <laughs> <laughs> it all comes out at home but yeah I decided to go in with that mindset that you know I'm an expert in my field I've got this job because I've got a proven record and good at what I do so I've got to go in feeling that rather than that imposter syndrome. Do you remember what you wore on your first day? Because I started just as we were coming out of COVID, uh, I did my first few calls online, but I do remember still probably feeling that I was, when I went on to some of the calls, I was probably more made up than <laughs> the other people. Um, but yes, I do. I remember when I went down to the office, because um, we were in, I was travelling down to London for, for careers, I wore a lovely white dress with little black sort of flowers across it but it was um so it had a little pin tuck at the front and but I highlighted it with a little pink belt and then had some boots because it was winter and little black boots which were matching <laughs> it's a huge difference I noticed that George you know it was like walking in some days it was like you know walking into a fashion shoot and it was very much heavily women younger women as well which was brilliant to see going into curries it was much more male dominated you know because there wasn't a lot of women in the office or there wasn't a lot of people in the office never mind women there just wasn't that sense of everybody trying to show the latest fashion it was very much so I very much quickly got this reputation of oh Gillian's always got something new on Gillian's kind of like you know um my boss at the time she said I was a little fashionista <laughs> not really I'm not that but I think compared to a lot of people I was more into my fashion I do remember that from George as well so every time I, I visited the office that everyone um was really fashionable but then there were also and it was the time when I think Instagram was taking off as well in terms of those like iconic fashion pieces and, and you'd go down to George or you'd be in Asda and there'd be like six people wearing the same leopard print dress or six people people wearing the same spotty dress from Zara um, and it was very much a thing that people used to really get dressed up particularly in George and really take pleasure and enjoy in that and and for me personally I loved that I I do really well when I feel good with what I wear which is part of stressed or well-dressed I'm the same I, I always whether I don't do it for anybody else I do it for me I I like I like putting makeup on I like nice clothes I like and it makes me feel better and if it makes me feel better then I feel more confident in myself I don't think it's a shallow thing I think it's just it's just about me and I like I like I, I suppose fashion changed over the years as you get older as well but I still like pretty things I like feeling nice 
and that helped me. I think so. I think it's just about that little bit of something that, that gives you that extra boost. And um, I was thinking, talking to someone today, actually, and saying, even if you're a little bit overdressed, sometimes it, it can just give you that extra little bit of boost or pizzazz or, or confidence to, to make you feel good. I talked about that, that. Actually, I saw you as a bit of a role model. You were slightly ahead of me in your career. You'd been promoted to before me. Uh, the clothing business was doing a fantastic job and we were trying to catch up on general merchandise. So there was a little bit of of role model there I probably didn't admit it at the time I didn't want to um, because it, it's it's not always easy to say things like that isn't it I want to do the job that seems to be as, as good as, as you're doing but I definitely felt a bit of that were there any people kind of in the workplace or that you looked around and took influence from you it wasn't around sort of a I think it was about confidence in this person and her ability to command a room and the respect that she had from people so I don't know if you remember Monica Turner yes I mean and she was fight, you know feisty you know and came in but I just remember being in several meetings with her and I was trying to get promoted at the time I was I was doing the maternity cover as the head of for trading online trading and I was you know and I'd had multiple meetings with her um and even then when she moved to Walmart, I'd met her when I was out in Walmart as well. And, you know, she'd continued to progress her career out there and become vice president of finance out there and, and so on. And I just thought she had, she, you know, she took no prisoners, but, you know, she was really great at supporting people and giving them advice and helping them on their career as well. Um, and she always been, you know, she mentored me for a while, you know, and gave me really great direction. So it was for very different reasons, but it was around just her, her confidence and her belief in herself and how she could command a room, whether that was women, men, didn't matter what level it was. And she had respect from everybody senior than her as well. I just thought she was great what I heard there so it's very much about that confidence and, and kind of courage in your convictions so confidence in yourself but it also sounds like that willingness to share some of that and help other people along the way and the sponsorship as well definitely definitely and just you know I think one of the things I always found difficult is around you know large presentations or having to completely lead a, a room of people you know and keep everybody in the same space and make sure that you've got everybody on board that that can be quite intimidating sometimes she did that well and you know we talked a lot around how she prepared for those things you know, so she was willing to share that advice as well. It's true because sometimes the people who are the most natural presenters put the most preparation into it and, and then make it look effortless. And, and that's something that I really admire when I see people stand up on stage and, and they are so casual, but so impactful in how they present. And, and that is, for me, a great way to be. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I'd say, you know, there's not when you, you know, you look at all the stats in terms of women leadership and, and things across you know, all industries, you know, it's still very, very small. But, you know, I'd sort of say actually one of the places where the, probably not some necessarily uh, exco and so, but below at director level, I'd sort of say Asda was pretty good for, you know, strong female leaders. I think that those role models are, are really important. So it sounds like for you, it's been a pretty seamless journey from sweater shop right up to director level yeah. and you've embraced every challenge what have been the the barriers or the hurdles that you've had to overcome on the way I think there is there is a the, you know it was a battle moving from the merchandising into the online business that wasn't easy and I had to really prove myself because one it wasn't an area that people knew about you know people had thought I'd taken a step back but then so one, I was having to try and build something with, you know, with the rest of the team 
but also with a lot of people around me that were probably thinking, she's mad, why are you doing it? So, you know, I had a few challenges there. I think it's, it's all challenges as a woman as well. You know, I've had two children in my career as well, and you t- you take that step away, and then you nearly have to come back and prove yourself again. So I think as much as, you know, there is absolutely I've been lucky that I've always had people around me to support me on my career it probably has taken longer I think because um I think you, you take that step away within there and then I think there's partly as well you know myself I think there is a piece a huge piece around could I have gone faster if I was more confident earlier on in my career and done that so I think a personal barrier has been my own self-belief and continue to, to to kind of push myself forward yeah I'd probably say they're between my my the biggest barriers I think those are all really relevant at, and resonate for me as well so it it sometimes feels like things took a long time for me too because of taking two years out for each of my maternities or, or two stints of nine months and both times coming back to a new role a bigger role and having to prove myself and actually similar to you I got promoted five days before my first maternity leave so whilst I enjoyed my maternity leave I had all of the anxieties coming back am I still valid at the next level and had to build up my equity at that level and I think it's it's really easy to have imposter syndrome and at any at the best of times um, but especially after maternity to come back and think do the people who are my new peers see me at that level and what do I need to do to prove myself and and for me that confidence piece took a long time to build up so after my second maternity leave I felt more confident because I had more time under my belt at at a more senior level but again came back to a brand new role and a new team and and had to relearn a lot of things and and that was pretty unnerving so uh, it definitely was a time when I was working my hardest and trying to prove myself but thinking about your swan analogy probably the most wobbly as well under the water and and that was quite hard and I know during that time I definitely used clothes to build up my confidence and to appear outwardly like I was calm cool collected had my stuff together but it wasn't easy underneath and and I I look back at that time and think gosh I was working really hard I was probably doing a much better job than I gave myself credit for but I, I didn't didn't see it at the time no. And I think, you know, you do, you, you come back after maternity and the one, you're not, you're not probably feeling the nicest in yourself still physically. Um, you've got that, you know, you, you nine months or your baby's nine months or a year or even six months, depending on where. And one, you feel guilty. You know, you feel guilty at home. You come back, you feel guilty being at work. You feel like you're not necessarily giving your whole at work or at home body part not may feel the best still um that you still but you still want to make yourself feel nice and you still need to have you there's still got to be a you somewhere and I don't know about you you know that's probably where you know the, the clothing and the you know just maybe getting your hair done or your nails or something that you you just feel it's just you, you can't lose yourself between the career that you want to have and then the children and you've got to try and find some balance which is the difficult bit yeah and, and sometimes actually stepping out back into work allows you to regain that feeling of being you and and I think kind of refinding my wardrobe almost and reminding myself that actually um and I, I knew what I was talking about at some point and learning more and and in a way pushing myself to deliver lots helped me build back my confidence it, it after that wobble that I had it initially it took a while but I definitely came back stronger after it I agree so you talked about the outfit that you wore when you went to Curry's did your style evolve from that point when you you got a measure of the organization or did you stay true to to who you were in your wardrobe I probably 
dialed it back a little bit. There was less heels, definitely less heels. Um, one, because I was having to travel to London, so I was having to get the train and then walk across London and so on. But no, I I, <laughs> I probably didn't, because I think probably the one of the biggest moments while I was at Curry's is uh, with the sales force, we did their sales first world, world tour down in, in London and at the Excel. And I wore, I was presenting on the day and I wore a bright pink suit so <laughs> with silver shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I was on stage and then I had to do and I kind of went in everyone was like wow we won't miss you it was like you know when you go to these things it's about 80% men as well you know still very very much heavily um, male dominated and just remembering yes it was um, mint velvet bright yeah lin- pink linen suit so no I don't <laughs> you know but, I did, but there was a bit in my head going Jillian, maybe you could have just wore a grey one or a blue one today. I don't really need. But I was like, no, I'm going for the full pink. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll share a funny story. I I've only shared a couple of embarrassing moments, but I went on stage for a, a grocery Institute of Grocery um, conference, and I was sat on a panel on stage, and I had on a bright pink jacket and silver shoes actually as well, um, and a jumpsuit. And I was sat with three men, and it was obviously my mic that didn't work down the back of my jumpsuit. So whilst we were all sat on stage with an audience of suppliers in front of us someone had to come on stage put their hand down my back and start fiddling with my mic and I was just thinking this this is awful they actually gave up and handed me a handheld microphone which was in a way even more awkward because I then looked like a tv presenter on stage um but that was my awkward moment on stage in a bright pink jacket and silver shoes so I resonate but I think Actually, the more that you can have fun with your clothes and the more that you can lean into your style, regardless of the situation you're in, the better, really, because as you said, it just helps you with your authenticity and it helps you remember who you are. Yeah. And that, and that was it. It was, you know, but I, I did think a lot about whether to wear that suit and it on. There was a lot of, oh, do I, don't I? And, you know, and I had a backup outfit because I was staying in the hotel there and I was like, no. I got up in the morning I was like no sorry. What's your biggest reflection from the work that you've done in terms of the impact it's had on, on you and how you operate? I think I've I love what I do and I you know I have for many years and it took me a while and I think having a little bit of time off at the moment I've had that reflection around what I want to do now you know and what's the next step but I think the bit that I love around the role and I think what comes with time and as you progress is I love working with people and I love the leadership element and the strategy element of the role so and I think that's I've been lucky with having quite a large team at George and at Curry's and going in and mute the move and having to develop those new relationships and uh, you know invest in a new team was quite exciting um, but cha- really challenging as well you know because you're having to learn everything about everybody and, and I think when you work in an area online you're nearly like running a small business that's right so everybody's very diverse you know everybody's got very different skill sets so you're not just leading a team of one discipline you're leading a team of multiple disciplines that over time and the role that I've done has sort of given me that and that's what I've loved about both roles what I will continue to hopefully do within my next role going forward as well so I think that's probably the element. One of the things that you said was you wish you'd have had more confidence when you were younger what advice would you give to someone listening to this who's maybe starting out their career or or a few years in or, or maybe even coming back from maternity to help boost their confidence? I think there is this a piece around make sure that you know 
have a clear voice you know know what you want to say and actually when you're younger is probably when you've got the best ideas and you know if you've got a good team around you you know make sure that you make the most out of them as well and don't be afraid if you've got an opportunity to be able to bring your ideas to the table do that there's there's never a bad idea the amount of times where I probably sat quiet in the corner and then somebody else said what I was thinking which is so annoying (laughs) like why didn't I say that why did I just not have the courage to just talk up and 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 also I think I held back from maybe talking myself out from going for promotions before and as much as I say I loved my time at Asda and I did you know I spent 20 years there I wish I'd probably left and continued to, to kind of get more experience elsewhere and build up because I think I would have probably I'd probably stayed too long and got more comfortable in roles so I think it's just about being brave I think being brave being confident in in your own voice and and sharing that and don't hold back if you've got an idea definitely bring it forward and then I think the, the two pieces I think having a voice, especially early on in your career, can sometimes feel really petrifying because you look at all these people around you who you see as uber successful and you just think, well, who am I to say that or who am I to challenge? But if you do it in the right way and if you've got the sponsorship, there's lots of merit in it. And that first place you work, it's easy. And we're seeing it less now, but it's easy to stay there for a while because it feels like home and it feels comfortable. And and I as well, I was at Asda nine years and I loved every minute of it. It was a great culture, but leaving felt really scary. I remember I was leaving for another job that that was great but I felt like I was velcroed to a wall that I was trying to jump off because I was so intrinsically linked to Asda and as soon as I left and moved somewhere else I realized that leaving a job and moving is okay and, and nothing has to be forever and I think it's that fear factor of if, if I move what if but it's always worth a try I think and, and seeing what it feels like somewhere else. Every time I've moved now I, I always learn something new every day you'd learn something I think one of the things I'm really passionate about is you know sort of being in a position where I have a team and leadership is is letting everybody have a voice we build a strategy it's everybody's strategy because everybody needs to get behind it can't have an assistant that is sitting there that are kind of going don't believe what you're putting forward so if you let them be part of that and build that with you everybody people feel inclined then to to work harder and and believe they believe in something that they're doing so you know that's the the way i've worked now for many years and, and encouraging everybody in the team to have a voice so for anyone listening who is thinking how to make more confidence think about having a voice and for leaders listening the challenge is how do you give everyone in your team the confidence to have that voice and and the opportunity to really feel part of it I think that that sounds simple but not easy to do so a really great message Gillian this has been a really interesting conversation it's been great to hear about where you went after we worked together and some of your reflections on how you have elevated your career over time before we end are you ready for a quick lightning round okay yeah (laughs) so now I feel nervous (laughs) I'll warm you up with the first question I'm going to ask you and and I think I know what you're going to say for this one I I generally can guess but I've seen you dress so smart or casual smart and what's your favorite piece of clothing can shoes count they can count so I've got some beautiful uh, they're the Kurt Geiger so not too fancy but they're lovely pink suede heels that are just I just love and I don't get to wear them very often but I love them (laughs) make you feel happy Yes, they're, they're, they're just when I look at them, they make me feel happy. <laughs> and for you, online shopping or going shopping, which one would you choose? Now, online shopping. If you'd asked me a couple years ago, I'd probably say going shopping. But I actually do quite enjoy online shopping now. 
scrutinising all the websites as you go. <laughs> Do you have a theme song to your wardrobe? No, now you've really put me on the spot. No. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to go away and think of that one now. I don't. But you know what? Next time we talk, I will have one. You got one. I haven't got a theme song to my wardrobe, but maybe Dolly Parton 9 to 5 in terms of getting dressed for work. <laughs> So I've, I've asked you a really complicated question there and then I've probably stressed you out and now I'm going to ask you, are you stressed or well-dressed? No, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. So no, it's been really, it's been really fun actually. Um, I, I Hopefully I'm, I'm well-dressed. I'm well-dressed. I, I would definitely say you're well-dressed. Gillian, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you for having me. So it's been, it's been fun. Thank you.